comes down to this. The one thing. Good morning. Welcome. Imagine with me. Have you ever had this happen? You're about to leave work. You're taking off. It's been a long day. And right as you're about to the door, one of your coworkers, whom you love, catches you and asks for a favor. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Oh, Bill, I'm so glad I found you. I'm, I'm having problems with the copier. It's, it's, it's jamming like Bob Marley, and it's making smudges. And, and I have this report that's due in the morning, and I have to print it right now, and I don't know why I didn't print it earlier. I should have printed it earlier. I'm sorry. My day just got away from me. Please, please help me, please. <laughs> or young people, younger people, maybe you're about to leave to go hang out with your friends, and just as you reach... For the door handle, you hear the voice of your dear sweet mom. <laughs> and not so sweet of a sweet mom voice. Because moms know just when to call, right? Just to, at the simplest, remind you that they have power over you. <laughs> Did you empty the garbage? <laughs> and everything in you wants to groan. No, I didn't, because my sister didn't yesterday, and the garbage is overflowing, and I'm going to have to risk my life to stomp all the garbage down, and it's disgusting. <laughs> but you know that that conversation would not go well, so you don't. So regardless of the situation, you flare your nostrils, you purse your lips, and in too high of a voice, you fakely respond, sure thing, love to help, so glad you caught me. <laughs> well, on the inside, you are weaving a tapestry of obscenities that will never be brought out because you try to be a really good person and you, don't, you try to not swear. So you go and you do the thing. And you do your best to look happy like Mr. Rogers, except for the vein popping out of your forehead. And on the inside, all the while, there is raging a fire of a thousand tantruming toddlers. And you are livid, but you do the thing. You finish, and then you leave, and you close the door quietly, just because you don't want to give any evidence that you were really, really ticked off. And your day is ruined. Have you been there? Have you been there with me? What were you feeling? Or imagine, because none of us would have that attitude, right? But what might one be feeling there? Mad. And why? Because that was really inconvenient, and I had things to do. It's okay. It's a safe place. You can say, yes. Yes, I've been there. Yes, that's how I got to church today. Here's the thing. So in those sorts of situations, did you do the right thing? If we look back at this situation, did you do the right thing? Yes, no, I, I don't know. Because, you know, you did the thing, right? I did it. But your attitude was trash. 
right? So the question then is, is it okay to do the right thing with a bad attitude? Yes. <laughs> An emphatic yes from Mr. Gerlach. <laughs> what I want to focus on is the issue that's deeper than that. Because the fact that we react that way sometimes indicates that there is a much deeper issue going on deep in our hearts. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Because it's not that you can't say no. I don't want to make everybody feel all guilty because you don't help every single person. You got to have boundaries, right? Everybody needs boundaries. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be you know, late and flaky all the time because you're at everybody's whim, whoever can get to you. But there's a deeper issue, and it's about something that lives deep in our hearts. It runs in our blood. It is part of every single one of us. And that something destroys our life. And it's the same thing that Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians 10, which we're going to talk about today. Because he saw that there is this something living in them that was hurting them. It was confusing new believers. It was creating conflict and it was destroying relationships. And it's the reason that he went on for three chapters plus one verse about why it was okay to eat Tim's tacos. If you remember from last week, Pastor Steve referred to the tacos. So today, we're going to look at that something. But first, let me pray. Father God, thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is power, and I thank you that it changes us. I thank you that nobody is too far gone and out of reach from you. And I pray that by your word, you would change us today and going forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible, paper or digital, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you're unfamiliar with that, it's in the second half of the Bible, maybe about halfway through that. And uh, like I said, Steve talked about this a bit last week. So if some of this sounds like review, if you feel like you've heard it, uh, it's because he did talk about it. Paul's been talking about it. And I promise I didn't just copy Steve's sermon. But that would have been a lot easier. Okay, starting in verse 23. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. I'm going to read that one again. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, if someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want. I think Paul understood that sometimes you just want to stay in, right? <laughs> Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you, this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Say that with me. The glory of God. I lost my place. That was great. 
don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Translated for you into modern English vernacular, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Don't be so selfish. Don't be so selfish. And that, I think, is the something that I was talking about that Paul saw going on in the church that he wanted to, uh, to address. Uh, they were, were so focused, the church was so focused on what they wanted that they didn't even see that they were affecting the other people and confusing other believers. They were so focused on their stuff, they didn't even notice or acknowledge what was going on. Uh, it was confusing, weaker, and, and less mature Christians, and it was causing this conflict. And you had these conversations like, bah, that guy's a fake Christian. He's all watered down and junk. And someone else might be like, he's too concerned about all the, the rules. He's a prude. Needless and harmful conflict. And what was true then is still true now for me and for all of us. As believers, we don't exist in a vacuum. We don't serve Jesus in a vacuum, but every decision and every choice, every action we make has an impact in one way or another on each other. Sadly, a lot of times as believers, uh, we live isolated. We live as if we're isolated. And we like to think that what I do doesn't matter. But the truth is, what I do impacts you, right? And what you do in some way impacts me. I thought about it like this because sometimes I like numbers and math, and sometimes I'm a little nerdy. Any math fans? Wow, there were none at the 9 a.m. So... So you too, thank you for being here. So uh, I tried to represent us being connected uh, like this. So I have my very own emoji. Be jealous. So my following Jesus, me being a Christian, is not equal to, it is not just a function of me and God. And then you can change this up and make... Yeah, and I put my, you can put your letter there. And I think it's in your notes. Scratch the letter out and put your initial there. Your following Jesus is not a function of you and God. The answer, the true answer is, us following Jesus, it is a function of you, God, and others. P being people, and N representing any number of however many people there are. I'm sorry for the flashbacks of eighth grade math. I realize I see some terrified looks out there. But now it's stuck in your head, right? <laughs> so we are all tied in some sort of way. And the way I serve Christ is important because it also affects the rest of the body. And that's your first point. Following Jesus is a function of God, you, and others. God and you and others. But what are we fighting? Selfishness. And selfishness twists everything to make us think that it's all about me, all about you. Selfishness gets in the way of others following Christ, 
And selfishness will eventually destroy us. There's a lot of great Proverbs in the book of Proverbs about how selfishness leads to not great things. And if we look back to Paul's example here, simplistically, we see that selfishness would choose food over a human. Because in a sense, that's what they were doing. Not concerned about their brothers and sisters, but I want to eat that meat because it's good. And I like tacos, but... But love, and the love that Christ shows us, would choose a human over food, right? Did I get an amen on that? Amen. We should choose people over food. Sorry, did I say that right? Yes. yes. Good. <laughs> so a lot of us, when, when you hear the word selfish or selfishness, uh, I, I know for me, I get kind of a picture of some toddlers sitting on the floor, and one of them really doesn't want to share their toys with another. And when you think about that, it's easy to start thinking like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a thing that kids deal with, but I'm pretty good. I'm not super selfish. I share. But allow me to pose some other situations for us. So when you borrow your neighbor's mower, yeah, somebody over here is ahead of me. When you borrow your neighbor's mower or yard tool, uh, how do you return it? Do you return it better than when you got it? Do you tank up the gas? Are you quick to listen? Or are you quick to speak? Do you keep score in relationships? Or are you generous? How often do you admit your mistakes? Or is it just someone else's fault most of the time? When you're angry, what is your speech like? If I were to ask someone close to you, how would they say you behave when things don't go your way? In conversations, do you ask questions about the other person? Or do you spend the majority of the time talking about yourself? How do you handle criticism? And when someone passes you on the road, when you're going the speed limit already, <laughs> do you hope that they get your or get theirs? Or do you hope that they can get better? Selfishness lives in all of us, folks. It's everywhere. It's part of our sinful nature. But it lurks in the deep, dark corners that, of everything inside of us that we try to not look at, that we don't want to think about. And selfishness is easy. It's easy, but it doesn't make life any easier. Paul said in 2 Timothy, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. There's a direct correlation to selfishness and life being not awesome. So what do we do about it? You might be sitting there thinking, boy, I was feeling great about myself to that dumb guy on stage started telling me all these things I'm bad at. <laughs> what do we do about it? I don't want to live a life of selfishness, do you? 
I don't want to come to the end of my days knowing that I only invested in myself. And the good news is, what we're going to look at is that God wants to help us. God has offered to help us, and he's shown a way to help us with that. And we're going to look at a few ways how Paul talks to the Corinthians, how we can apply some of these things to our lives. And if we apply these things, it will help. It'll help us find peace. It'll help us to be a blessing to others around us. And it'll help us as we follow Jesus. Who's ready? Yeah, good. Thank you. 11 o'clock service. So how many have ever ventured to uh, change a habit, whether successfully or unsuccessfully? I would imagine I'd see every hand in here. Yeah. How many of you found great success in saying, I'm going to stop doing this now? Bam, done. Yeah, I didn't think so. I, (laughs) I haven't found... Super great success by just saying like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm done. Nope, I'm not going to do that anymore. (laughs) It doesn't typically work like that. You know, it's like, okay, I got to stop smoking. Okay, I'm going to stop smoking. Or, okay, I'm going to stop looking at porn. Okay, stop. Yep. Or, okay, I'm going to stop gossiping. Yep. No more gossiping. Until you open your mouth. James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. Anybody read Atomic Habits? Yeah, really good. I like the audio book because I'm squirrely. Uh, I wanted to read something out of the book. He, He talks about habit replacement. He says, because bad habits provide some type of benefit in your life, it's very difficult to simply eliminate them. And this is why simplistic advice like just stop doing it rarely works. Instead, you need to replace a bad habit with a new habit. Say that with me. Instead, you need to replace a bad habit with a new habit. Say it again. Replace a bad habit with a new habit. Good. What are we going to do? Replace a bad habit with a new habit. Too fast for me. (laughs) Going on. For example, if you smoke when you get stressed then it's a bad plan to just stop smoking when that happens. Instead, you should come up with a different way to deal with the stress and insert that new behavior instead of having a cigarette. In other words, bad habits address certain needs we have in our lives, and for that reason, it's better to replace your bad habits with a healthier behavior that addresses your need. Because if you expect yourself to simply cut out bad habits without replacing them, then y'all going to have a bunch of unmet needs, and it's going to be hard to stick to your new habit. Are you with me? Yes. And it reminds me of something Jesus said after he uh, rebuked a demon out of a dude. Yes, dude. He said, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, hmm, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept in an order, and the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter the person and live there, and so that person is worse off than before. Sound fun, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the principle Jesus is talking about, that then James Clear also kind of got a hint to, is that if we 
try to go away from our sinful nature without employing something new and something different, then we're not going to find a whole lot of life change. I can't expect to follow Jesus without adapting some new practices. One of them being come to church. And all y'all are doing great. So we need to not only stop an action, but this is your next blank here. We are going to combat selfishness with sacrifice. Yes, combat. We're going to fight selfishness with sacrifice. What are we going to do, church? We're going to combat selfishness with sacrifice. Yeah. So instead of continuing to go on this road of me and going down this road of being selfish, I'm going to start introducing little pockets, little things of sacrifice in my life to remind me all the time that it's not all about me, to remind me that it's all about Jesus. Amen. Yesterday, we had a great uh, opportunity to exercise this. Uh, we, a, a few of us went and helped Monty and Amanda Bodie. Do you know Monty and Amanda? Yeah. Amanda is several weeks into fighting cancer right now. And subsequently, they have fallen behind on, on yard work. And so they needed some help. So a bunch of us got together and showed up to help. Yeah, it was a great time. Yes, isn't she cute? Yeah. I told him to hold that one up for longer. No, no, no. My, my typical Friday night routine is I like to stay up late. I'll watch a movie or dink around on my guitar, and then I like to sleep in on a Saturday morning. My typical routine does not involve going and doing yard work in a yard that isn't mine when it's 100 bajillion degrees outside. <laughs> However, this is Amanda, who I know and who has been a blessing to our church. She has been on the worship team. She sings. She plays keys. Uh, she's taught uh, many of your students at the public school. She was on staff here. She was, she's been part of EDGE. She still sends me songs like, hey, this might be a good one for the worship team. She's incredibly thoughtful. She even remembers our birthdays, my family's birthdays, and she'll contact us. And so how could I not give up some leisure time to help? And to serve. How could I not sacrifice some of the stuff that I like and value for somebody who's done so much? I'd also feel like kind of a hypocrite if I was up here preaching on this and not and said no to that. <laughs> and here's what happened. You know, we all got together and we did this thing. And it was a very uplifting experience. You know, Monty and Amanda were super blessed. They, got a, we, they had a bunch of stuff done that they weren't able to do. Uh, we were all blessed because we got to hang out with our community, with people that we know and love. It was fantastic. And I was reminded of what's most important in my life. I was reminded and faced with what truly matters in my life. And I tell you, when I thought of the things that mattered, they weren't my bed and my phone 
in my free time. They were my family. They were my community. But I didn't see that, and I didn't realize it until I stepped out, until I denied myself, until I sacrificed for somebody else. And that's part of following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, there will be times when he asks you to give something up, to give things up. And sometimes it's super easy. Sometimes it's really difficult. But we know that it is always for our good. He's always moving us to do things because he loves us. But he told us about this. Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. It's so easy to pursue our own endeavors. I find it's really easy for me to disappear upstairs where I keep my guitars and practice, learn, write, record, all those sorts of things. And it's not bad. Right? But if I build my life around that, I'm just focusing on me. But Jesus calls us to sacrifice. When he says, take up your cross, that is meaning die. Die to yourself. So don't worry, though. You don't need to sacrifice any goats, which is great. There's no bizarre <laughs> sacrifice ritual. Uh, but sometimes it is a little confusing uh, as to where to start, right? Anybody... Ever kind of be like, yeah, okay, I want to do a thing. I don't know where to start. So here's a few ideas for you. Here at North County, there are so many opportunities for you to serve and to give. Right across that wall, two walls, there are a bunch of people volunteering their time holding babies. And in the other building, there's a bunch of people volunteering their time teaching kids so that parents can be in here and be fully engaged and focused in worship, and in learning. They're giving their time. You can do that too. You can also help out with North County Youth. You can help out with EDGE. Uh, You can join a small group. You could lead a small group. (laughs) Great ways to give of your time. You can give of your money. I mean, it's as simple as find... Who doesn't have junk around their house, right? Some of that junk you can make money off of. Right? My wife is really good at that because I just like to throw everything away. Right, Evan? Yeah. And, but, but Amy's great at saving things that, you know, that somebody might want and we sell it. And, you know, you can do that and then donate the money to a place or a person. But to do something generous. Uh, here's one. Let me watch everybody squirm. Be a good tipper. Amen. Yeah. I like figuring out exactly so that I don't, you know, undercut it, but that I'm not, like, ridiculous and doing, like, way too much. But, you know, what if, what if we did? What if you tipped way too much? How bad would that really be? Buy the meal or the coffee of the person behind you in the drive-thru. Super simple. It's ways of being Jesus. It's ways of practicing sacrifice. You can sacrifice yourself. A great thing that you can do, even just in conversation, just being who you are. Ask someone how they're doing, and then listen to them. 
People want that. People need that. Uh, listen to understand rather than to speak. In a conversation, don't, don't sit there waiting to give your content. Okay, they're going to breathe. Blah, 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 and then I say all my things. Listen and just listen. Sacrifice yourself in that way. It's going to look different for everyone, right? But we sacrifice. And the reason we sacrifice is because, you guys, the one we follow led the way, didn't he? We follow Jesus who exemplified this, who led the way by sacrificing and giving his life. Hebrews says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Did you see that? At the beginning of that, the joy awaiting him. Our Lord didn't begrudgingly go to the cross like, "Mm, stupid sinners. I mean, he did ask, right? We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane and he, he asked, you know, God, if there's any other way. But still, he submitted to it and it says he willingly went because he knew what was coming afterwards. He knew what he was purchasing for us. Amen? Amen. And that brings us to our last point. We focus on later instead of now. And that's what Jesus was doing. He wasn't looking at the nails necessarily, right? He was looking at glory afterwards. He was looking at what his sacrifice was going to do for you and for me. Paul ended his answer uh, encouraging the church to think about eternity, to think later instead of now. And he said, we already read this part, but I just want to reiterate. He said, I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Folks, it gives, us, uh, it gives us new perspective when you stop thinking about like right now, right here, and think about a little bit later. But Joel, if I live that way, then I'm going to miss out on a lot of things that I like. Making decisions based on later, based on eternity, instead of how I feel right now. Uh, Inevitably, there will be things that I give up, experiences that I don't experience, things I don't do. Uh, Some of those I will never do, some I will have to stop doing. There's a cacophony of things. But the truth is, when we focus on the later instead of now, it gives us better perspective uh, to, to sacrifice and to endure and embrace that suffering. So let's just uh, make up a story here. This did not happen. But, uh, you know, I, saying that makes it sound like it did, didn't it? This did not happen. So dream with me. Imagine with me. Let's say you go to a coffee shop, and it's jam-packed in there. It's crazy busy, and there's only two baristas behind the counter. And it's, everybody's just in a fury of, of, of a mess. And you get to the front of the line finally, and the barista takes your order, and you order a latte with sugar-free raspberry. 
Have you had raspberry and coffee? It's very good. Try it. And she's running all over the place, and you watch her, and you watch her go over and get the regular raspberry. And she hands you the coffee, and you kindly say, hey, I'm really sorry. Um, I, had, I had ordered the sugar-free. And she snaps. She grabs your cup. She rolls her eyes and turns around to make the other one. And under her breath, she mutters, sugar-free isn't going to fix your problems, buddy. Just loud enough, just loud enough that you can hear her. Now, put yourself in that position. How, would, how, how do you feel? I would feel bad. And I would want to put her in her place and make her feel this big. And I'm going to go all caring on her. And I'm going to ask to talk to her manager. And I'm going to pull my phone out. And I'm going to videotape her so I can put on YouTube how mean this person was and I hate this establishment. <laughs> but what are we thinking about instead of now? Later. <laughs> yes, bonus points for Rose. We are thinking about later instead of now. My feelings now are angry, but I'm thinking about later. And if I, if I consider that and consider sacrifice and think past my maybe two-minute exchange with this girl or guy, I might think of how my actions might impact the rest of her day. I might think, boy, you know, maybe somebody else was a jerk to her and she's still, you know, hurt from that. If I focus on later instead of now. And now, if we take that another step, maybe instead of just not mouthing off back to her, maybe if I think that I could say something back to her, that would be helpful. And what if I ask her, how's your day? I have found more times uh, where you just simply ask that to somebody, and there's a lot of people ready to just like, blah, blah, my days. Um, and sometimes people are just looking for a listening ear. That can be huge. My kids hate it when I do that at the store. <laughs> we focus on later instead of now. And you know, what if we took it even further from that? What if instead of just saying something nice, what if I asked a leading question? Rough day, huh? Or something like that. And empathize with her. And allow her, at, you know, in a way, to, to say, like, hey, sorry, you're clearly upset. You want to talk about it? Given there's a line of people behind us, behind us. But, you know, maybe it could lead to that. Maybe I could pray for her. And maybe I could impact her right now and her eternity. But it starts with embracing that sacrifice and thinking about later instead of now. Now, if we focus on later instead of now in that situation, how does that leave us? So I'm still sitting there humiliated, right? I still might be seething with anger. I still am left without getting vengeance. But what I've done is I laid myself down. I have willingly, you know, accepted some hurt and not reacted to it for the good of someone else. 
That's sacrifice. Giving up something valuable to better someone or something else. Romans, it says in, uh, in chapter 15, for even Christ didn't live to please himself. And that is the kind of life that Jesus asks us to live. Amen? Amen. Selflessly. Sacrificially. With our eyes on eternity. I want to invite the band up. We're going to close with one last song. The reality of this whole process with selfishness is that it's not just a behavior change. It's not just saying, I'm not going to do this, and instead I'm going to do this. Uh, it's, a, it's a heart issue, isn't it? And only one can change the heart, and that's God, through his son, Jesus. So we need Jesus to enter our lives and to change us and to shape us. He's our Savior, and he is our ultimate example of living unselfishly, and sacrificially. He gave his best and gave his life for me and for you. And in exchange, he asks that we just follow and do the same. We're going to sing a song. It's a great song. It's a beautiful song. And one of the last lines says this. And if you gave your life to love them, so will I. So let's sing and think on these words. <laughs>